Shut up and sit down. Another episode of the Super Movie Studies Podcast, a community of superhero fans, nerds, teachers, students, people looking to discover more about superheroes and the world, because both are awesome. I'm your comic book cultured host, Michael Maurer, joined by our healthy lawyer, David Kleppy, and our terrific guest, Twitter Tom. Lovely intro. <laughs> uh, SMSP is your premier movie discussion podcast. Every week we continue our journey exploring our favorite subjects, superhero movies. Every fan sees the movies differently, so we gather some amateur experts to discuss certain aspects of the movie. Whether it's money, comic books, music, or science, Super Movie Studies Podcast talks about it all in this week's episode. We must find the remaining diviners as well as anyone who's transformed. We drown the temple where the diviners are activated, so that's a plus. And we do know the woman who has changed. So someone was transformed. A Kree slave warrior created. Have you put it down? No. She disappeared. What do you know of her? We don't know much about Reyna's transformation. Sky witnessed it, but didn't see much. You were there. What did you see? I didn't. I mean, nothing. Were there others with you? The changes may not be on the surface, but buried inside. You must understand, these creatures are weapons. Abominations, even if they don't know it. What is this? Sky? You want to talk to us? Sky, what's doing this? And yes, there will be spoilers. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2. Ah, I love it when the new people take the outline 100% literally. Have a little instinct. <laughs> this week's episode, Traumatic Pause. <laughs> Don't say the episode title. Uh, I know it's not written in. Uh, sometimes I have a blank slate that I use for everything. Um, These things are editable, you know that, right? Oh, you know what? Yeah. Not, e- not today. Not today. Today's magical because we happen to actually get both Tom and David into this episode, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2. How long have we been trying to freaking record this thing? Weeks. And things just keep popping up. Yes. Up and up. But let's go with first opinions around the board. I want to hear from Tom Tom. All right. I watched this uh, about last year when it came out on Netflix. Um, And the only reason I watched it is because I watched the first season, and when I start something, I have to finish it, no matter how bad or mediocre it is. Um, I will say the first season 
was pretty mediocre up until the Winter Soldier episode, which they covered that in a previous podcast. And I thought the second season was a lot better. Um, I just think it flowed better, and I liked when they introduced the Inhumans, and uh, Chloe Bennett's character was a little bit more fleshed out. Yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed the second season a lot more than the first season. I would say, I mean, it was just just above mediocre. I mean, it's not something I have to watch, but <laughs> it is enough to keep me interested to to keep watching, I guess. Oh, such kind words, David. How did you enjoy season two? I agree with Twitter Tom that it was better than the first season. Um, I really enjoyed this uh, mysterious obelisk that they were chasing the whole time. Um, that I thought that that whole overarching uh, theme uh, with all this mysterious power that they couldn't explain, they didn't know what was going on. I thought that was kind of fun, and I thought it was well done. I enjoyed the character development in several of the characters, especially Chloe Bennett, um, who has let us down in the past. <laughs> yes, yeah, season two. Season two is two big different different plot lines because the first half of the season dealt with Daniel Whitehall and, and the mixture of Cree blood that led to Coulson going a little cuckoo, why uh, Chloe Bennett, uh, Scott, or alien or whatever. And then they talk about those aliens, those humans in the entire second half of the season. And season two, man... Uh, it started out a little rough. They killed Lucy Lawless in the first episode, and you're going, what? what? Why isn't she sticking around? That's fucking Xena, the princess warrior. You're just going to ditch that in half a second? Keep that on lock. I guess not. And then they added a bunch of different new characters this season. Holy crap. You had Mac, Hunter, uh, Bobby, and I'm missing one. I feel as if they added another teammate. Oh, BJ Britt comes on pretty much the whole time. Uh, trip BJ Britt, though. Uh, <laughs> and that's when season two took a dive, is when BJ Britt left. David, I think you'll remember the moment, spoilers, when BJ Britt passed away. And we both went, I guess we're just not watching this fucking show anymore. <laughs> Rest in peace, BJ. Rest in peace. <laughs> uh, it was a truly tumultuous time because uh, <laughs> he was our favorite even though he did absolutely nothing on the squad absolutely nothing but be our favorite most quotable line of season 2 hey Trip, could you give us a minute check this out and then he walks away <laughs> love it loving every minute of it uh, <laughs> do either of you have a favorite quotable line of season 2 Please tell me. Uh, which one was the dude? Uh, Fitz and Simmons. Is Fitz the guy? Leo Fitz. Gemma Simmons. Yeah, he. Uh, his my favorite quotes were the one. Didn't he have like amnesia in the beginning? Like, he had aphasia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything he said was my not favorite quote because that drove me nuts in the whole first. Because he gets rid of it towards <laughs> the end, doesn't he? It, they sort of heal him of aphasia very quickly. Um, we're, we'll talk more about how that works later. Drop, mic drop. Literal so, mic yeah, drop. I don't have a favorite quote, but I have an unfavorite quote. And it was any time he was 
mumbling because of his aphasia. <laughs> because he was brain damaged? Fuck that character. It was annoying. I didn't sign up for cerebral palsy. God, this show is awful. <laughs> it's just a stupid plot device. It's like, hey, we'll give this guy memory lapses. All right, we're good. We're good. That, that, that'll run for about eight episodes. I remember when Mac was going to... He was fighting that guy who could teleport, and I don't remember exactly what he said, but I remember he said something really funny. And I'm looking it up right now to try and find it. But I'll, I'll <laughs> get it. Gordon? All right. Yeah. Well, speaking, speaking of which, um, let's talk about some comic book characters. I know typically I should have ratings, stats for the next segment, but I don't. Uh, so therefore, <laughs> it's been a busy week, gang. It's always a busy week in Midwestern life. We're all working to make that dough. <sighs> so here we go with the comic book section. You know how this works. Some comic book characters that came to life in this season. I'll talk about some background, as we've discussed before in the last episode. All of the main cast are completely unique. There's no history behind them. They literally made them up as they go. They get to do whatever they want. But let's talk about some other characters that they introduced. Inhumans, right? They introduced the Inhumans, the Kree, but not the Skrull, because they already did that earlier kind of sort of in the Avengers they introduced the ultimate Marvel alternate dimension of the scroll called the Chitari. Uh, here, let me give you some context. The Kree are a race of super alien scientists at war for eons with the shape tra- changing scroll. That's why the scroll are kind of important in this equation. Uh, they tried to create a super soldier program that created super powered soldiers labeled. The Inhumans. Uh, the Inhumans rebelled for being treated as a second-class citizens and have developed a monarchical society. Kings, queens, all that. There's a royal family of characters of note like Black Bolt, Medusa, uh, Crystal, Gorgon, Karnak, and Triton, and Maximus the Mad. That is a giant set of characters that were never addressed, but their race of Inhumans was. But they sort of... I don't know if they tied the Inhumans 100% to the Kree. I think they did with this obelisk nonsense, if anyone can remember. Or did we all sort of black out for most of the plot of Season 2? It's like a strobe light getting... for me. Like I remember bits and pieces. It's just that's how <laughs> mediocre that show is. Um, I believe the city that the the obelisk technology was in was a Cree city. So I don't know if okay. that means that it's all Cree stuff, but it definitely was tied to the Cree. Yeah, because we saw one Cree character who held a little mini hammer, Trundle, and he had the angriest eyebrows I've ever seen. That guy was fun to have around. So let's talk about some characters, starting with Karen Palamas a.k.a. Agent 33, premiered in Hercules' Heart of Chaos, number one in 1997 by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. A mythology historian recruited by S.H.I.E.L.D. ever since Thor showed up on the scene. She was a S.H.I.E.L.D. liaison to Hercules for a while, and basically was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent 
that has <laughs> basically she was a history major grad that was living the dream, uh, getting a cushy field agent job in a government secret society because you know a lot about Greek mythology. Uh, next character, Al Mac McKenzie from Nick Fury versus Shield number three, 1988. Bob Harris, Paul Neary. A CIA liaison to Shield. He later worked for Shield and left it writing an unauthorized tell-all book called Unshielded. It's been an unofficial source to reporter Ben Urich and Jessica Jones ever since trying to convince them to expose some of Nick Fury's more shadier foreign policy implementations. Uh, my favorite quote from season two comes from Mac. Uh, it's when he's going to fight Gordon, and Mac says, are you Gordon? And Gordon goes, who are you? And he's like, I'm the guy who kills Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Which is perfect. <laughs> Such like a big oaf thing to say. <laughs> and then didn't he shortly afterward cut off Coulson's hand? Because Mac is a badass. <laughs> he did. He did cut well, off Coulson's well, hand. And he got schooled so on quantum physics shortly before it, too. <laughs> um, Mac is your best friend, but also can kick ass. Not really much in the comic book. He's kind of just a, another S.H.I.E.L.D. character. He's like Deep Throat in S.H.I.E.L.D. Moving on to a bigger character, maybe the biggest introduction, we have Bobby Morse, Barbara Morse, a.k.a. Mockingbird, premiered in Astonishing Tales number 6, 1971, by Jerry Conway and Barry Smith. This is when she premiered Barbara Morse. She didn't show up as Mockingbird until Marvel Team-Up number 95 by Steve Grant and Mark Grunewald and Jim Janes. And that was like six years later. I don't have the exact stats on that. Excuse me. So originally, she appeared as a Kazar side character. Kazar being Marvel's Tarzan ripoff. An unnamed woman appears at the Plunder estate. Kazar the Jungle Man's real name, Kevin Plunder. Only to learn that Mr. Plunder is off having adventures in the Savage Land a place in the Arctic where dinosaurs apparently still live, and it's a tropical forest. We then discover that she is a premier biologist working on yet another super soldier program, because the world has a million of those, and needs help dealing with the swamp creature, Man-Thing, in Florida. <sighs> Already so confusing. Afterwards, she joins Kazar in New York City, now somehow she's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, though, as his sidekick and love interest. She gets pushed out of the equation when Shauna the She-Devil, uh, which is basically a female Tarzan, comes onto the scene. She moves, <laughs> she moves titles and is revamped as S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Mockingbird, developing a strong relationship with Hawkeye, eventually marrying and helping found the West Coast Avengers. She breaks up with Hawkeye because she lets a villain who brainwashed and raped her fall off of a cliff and die, and Hawkeye is just not cool with that. You let that villain die? We could have sent him to jail. Gl he Clint. only raped you. 
I yeah. mean, come on. You had to <laughs> like, kill him because of that. You had to let... It's not even... She didn't even kill him. She let him die. Like, she didn't step in and save him from the cliff because she, she was too, like, 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 scared, you know, like, emotionally ridden by this one villain. I just picture Hawkeye watching that and being like, well, yep, we're done because she let that happen. I'm divorced <laughs> her. That's a deal breaker. Uh, <laughs> Love her to death, but she's got to go. In 1993, she sacrificed herself to save Hawkeye from Mephisto, a.k.a. Marvel's version of the devil. And the sorrow surrounding her death caused the West Coast Avengers to disband. But she's back alive, though. That's a little bit of Mockingbird in a nutshell for you. Just a little taste of what you, you can expect when this character shows up in a book. Well, I have to say Next. I prefer, prefer the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. version better than her original comic book. I don't. I want that crazy-ass shit to be happening every episode. Let's get on to the next step. Uh, the next character, we've got the villain of Season 1, Daniel Whitehall, from Secret Warriors number 11 in 2010 by Brian Michael Bendis, Jonathan Hickman, and Stefano Caselli. Part of the same international club as John Garrett. You remember me talking about in episode Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1. That group was called Da Vinci, or The Great Wheel. Daniel Whitehall was a British national during World War II. He later became an infamous Hydra agent known as the Kraken, with little proof that he even existed. That's how legendary he was. His mission was to make people what they were meant to be, which we saw a lot of in the television show. And he trained some of Hydra's most elite he was then murdered in a hospital bed by Nick Fury's younger brother, Jacob, who took over his title as the Kraken. They were running out of cool names by 2010. Yeah, okay. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, that's popular. We'll call him the Kraken. That'll mm. work. That's totally why. Nothing to do with the alcohol, which is what you'll be drinking later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> safely and responsibly. Next character, we have Mr. Hyde. Premiered in Journey into Mystery number 99, 1963, Stan Lee and Don Heck. Calvin Zabo was a brilliant biochemist obsessed with the tale of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He believed Dr. Jekyll's formula could be replicated. He worked uh, at various hospitals and pharmaceutical companies, robbing them for supplies before repeating the process somewhere else. He came across the hospital of Dr. Donald Blake, who wielded the power of Thor at the time. Uh, there's, a, there's a big stick involved, and Thor was inside of a guy. Just don't ask. Again, comic. <laughs> Marvel comic. It's okay. I was hoping someone would comment on the gay jokes there, but that's fine. I, I, I worked really I hard gonna, on them. I wasn't going to stoop that low. I, you know, I had to l listen for the kids. Watch out for the kids. Listen, I've worked hard on that. Shush! That's it. Fuck you. That's what she said. <laughs> uh, I'll work hard on you, David. Oh, wait. Um, uh, uh, you know your facial expressions are not captured in podcast form, as hilarious as they may be? As he nods and gives me a smug face. Okay, I guess we're doing this play-by-play. 
So Dr. Donald Blake, a.k.a. Thor, refused him a job because of his work history. Duh. Oh, I see you work at a bunch of different hospitals and pharmaceutical companies within the last six years. Why did you leave those jobs? Uh, I was fired or I quit. Oh, I wonder, hmm, will they line up with all of these robberies? Ah, ah, you're not hired. So that means Calvin swore revenge for that one act. He got the formula to work. Uh, he became a career criminal fighting against Thor. Um, oh, and he totally banged a prostitute who gave birth to the next character, Daisy Johnson. Or Quake, as she's known as, in Secret War number two, 2004. Brian Michael Bendis again, and Gabriel Del Otto. Daisy Johnson rose to the top as one of Nick Fury's most trusted S.H.I.E.L.D. agents very quickly. She possesses a level 10 security clearance, being the only to do so besides Nick Fury and Black Widow. She is possibly Fury's most trusted confidant, being a large help in recruiting trustworthy heroes during the Skrull invasion. She has done multiple stints on the adventures as Quake, but really, not all that exciting, but shakes things up every once in a while. Oh, that was bad. That was bad. I really like that she has a level 10 security clearance, because I remember distinctly about the first season, that this whole security clearance level was just the most annoying shit they did. (laughs) It still is. Every single day, every single episode, they were talking about, no, you have clearance for this. No, I'm a level six. And it was just the worst. (laughs) I'm glad she got her 10. Like, that was the whole, uh, one of the big lines in the pilot, right? Was someone was talking to Grant Ward, and it's like, you know that Agent Coulson, you know what happened to Coulson? He's like, of course. I have level 7 clearance. You know that. He died in the Battle of New York. And then Coulson walks around the corner and says, welcome to level 8 clearance. <laughs> You're just like, oh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, that was that was brilliantly done. That was, it was <laughs> masterful, how they introduced the clearance level system. <laughs> brilliant writing. Just brilliant. Okay, all right, we're done with comic book section. All right, we're done with your criticism. Uh, let's let's move on to a little bit more criticism then. Um, health and law, David's two specialties of research, uh, topics that I know you enjoy looking up a lot and knowing a fair amount about, but don't really have any sort of on-paper credentials for, except for your EMT-ness. That is on paper. That is that is on paper. It's a very fancy piece of paper. Did you um, have to <laughs> do you put that on the fridge? No. No, I got I got like a like a college degree uh picture frame and it's hanging up at my parents' house. Mm, so they can show that. off that, so they can show off that one of their kids amounted to something. <laughs> one of their five. <laughs> Six. Six? I, I, I just counted in my head, all right? It took me a while. <laughs> I'm sorry. You have a lot of siblings. I do have a lot of siblings. Um, so okay. the first thing, right off the bat, we got to talk about uh, Fitz 
his uh, he, he had lack of oxygen for they don't really give us a specific amount of time but we assume several minutes um, which of course does a lot of damage to the brain uh, his biggest symptom that we see throughout uh, the series or throughout the season excuse me is aphasia which is that just means that it's difficult to put words in order basically um, you can think the thoughts and the thought process is not affected but when you're trying to say it uh, the that connection is lost somehow. Um, yeah, my uh, I always have a, a good example of this that my mother told me once. Of aphasia is if someone is holding a purple piece of paper in front of you, and you ask them what color is this, and they they're struggling, they're struggling, and they can't say the word purple. But then you ask them, is this color purple? nod and yeah, of course they nod or they, they, say, they yes. understand completely inside his head inside Fitz's head he knows everything that's going on and you know he's a quantum physicist so he really knows everything that's going on but he can't put things into words and then on top of that a lot of the stuff he's trying to talk about he has to then translate to layman's terms for the people he's working with which just creates a mess because he's basically trying to come up with the words and then trying to translate them, and it's it's really hard for him, and we see those struggles. Twitter, Tom, you said that it was very difficult to watch him, and I agree, it was difficult to watch him sometimes, but I got to give credit because they portrayed aphasia very well. It's like um, me after three so, Jack and Cokes. That's how I start acting. Three? <laughs> three? <laughs> Is that what the baby's done to you? Yeah, or after I crush a six-pack of O'Doul's. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> That'll do it. Um, so some of the symptoms, some of the other symptoms that you'd experience uh, when you get lack of oxygen, uh, your circulation decreases a lot. So you'd see skin color change. That's all just shock related. Um, you would have altered mental status. On top of that, you'd have some other uh, symptoms such as coughing, uh, your heart rate and your breathing would quicken and shorten. You'd be sweating. You know, the very typical trauma and shock uh, symptoms would be taking place. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is when Mac chops off Coulson's arm. Um, <laughs> I love this moment. <laughs> it's it's Because it kind of deals with the myth, right? If you get bit by a snake... At your arm, can you chop off the arm and still be okay? Well, I, I, the, that moment in the season was like incredible because we were like, oh no, Colson's gonna die. And then like you're looking at his hand change to this like, uh, it's I don't know, it's turning into like stone or dust or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, this axe comes out of nowhere and goes, watch And you're like, oh holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Here's my exact reaction when that happened. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was truly one of the most that was pretty moments. Great. Of so chopping off a limb to stop an infection or to stop the spread of a poison is kind of bullshit. Um, it, <laughs> let's break this down. <laughs> that was that went to work. Medical terms, it's kind of bullshit. <laughs> It can work, but you have to be really, really fast. Like, let's say 
as soon as he touches it, the axe falls and chops it off. That could work. I don't know what the, I don't know how this, uh, this, uh, works, how this obelisk works when it's killing people. It, it seems to be a pretty slow process, but on some people it happens pretty fast. Um, you'd think that whatever's happening on the outside is happening on the inside too, so you would have no way of knowing where you should chop to stop the spread because it probably is spreading faster on the inside. And, of course, if he chops a little bit too short, he's got to chop again and chop again until he gets all of it. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Until until he sees until he sees fleshy and then and then alright, we're good. The arm's saved. Um it's you you have to be super fast. If someone tries to do this like with a snake bite or something, that's it's that that's in your body in like two seconds, it's gone. Um, it's everywhere. <laughs> like don't even fuck around. One of the one of the craziest Hollywood examples of this I think I've ever seen. Um, if you guys have seen the the movie World War Z, um, spoiler alert, it's about zombies. Mm-hmm. This uh, zombie infection takes over a human in 13 seconds. 13 seconds for it to completely overrun your system, which is astronomically fast. Not really possible, but that's what the movie's premise is, so we're going to roll with it. Uh, one of the soldiers gets bitten, and uh, Brad Pitt looks at her, looks at the zombie, looks back at her, and then chops her hand off. And she had been bit on the hand, of course. He chops it off, and then he starts counting to see um, if she turns into a zombie. But my problem with that is if it's not only spreading to but taking over your entire body in 13 seconds you cannot chop that hand off fast enough that is way too fast acting <laughs> and every time i see the movie and i watch that i'm like dude she is zombie and she's gonna bite you and you're gonna die too is that what you want brad that's not what you want you just got back into your long hair period all right mm. yeah we, <laughs> just, we've seen it you just go we've <laughs> seen it We've seen it countless times in Hollywood, but it's it's pretty much bullshit just about every time. Very well. Did you want to talk at all about the bus? Um, I don't know what you mean by that. Uh, you have expressed multiple times how the bus, the plane that they used to get around, cannot pull off a vertical takeoff because it's a fucking cargo plane. Well, I mean, that's not really medical related. I just think watching that bus, it's kind of like, what? It doesn't really make sense a lot of time because it's a really big plane, and they'll do things like they'll stop, like at thirty thousand feet, and just hover for a second, and then they'll go like slowly descend. And you're like, what? That's not how that's not how aerodynamics works for sure. But again, I'm not a physicist, so maybe it is. I don't know. Or that one time in season one where. Uh, uh, Simmons jumped out of the plane to try and commit suicide, and Ward jumped out of the plane like uh, a full 30 seconds afterward, and you're like, she's miles away. Like, the plane didn't stop me. <laughs> Even if he was able to fall fast enough to catch up to her level, she she is way back here. Like, she <laughs> falls straight when she leaves that plane. And he falls straight when he leaves the plane 
you know, like 10 miles down the road. So even if he can fall fast enough, like, he's basically going to have to hop in a car and drive over to catch her because <laughs> there's just no way. Oh, yes. Flashbacks, memories of good times. Uh, we love this show, David, don't we? We love it I as much as we can. Hitting the ground, and then him ten miles later hitting the ground, and then like ambulance coming and be like, "What did this dumb shit think he was gonna do? He jumped out thirty <laughs> seconds later. This idiot and loads him up after a ten plane. minute drive. Like, what was he thinking? <laughs> he, he's got a parachute trailing behind him, and he's running up the road like, I can get her, I can still catch her, and they're like scraping her off the pavement. There's still time. <laughs> he stops and takes a breath because he's just run six miles. <laughs> With the parachute on his back that he never took off, he still has that on. <laughs> uh, oh, all right. Donna Health and Law. Not a lot of law going on other than the fact that they are a rogue agency that is well outside the law. <laughs> They somehow have loose jurisdiction with the U.S. government, but they're also disbanded as of the Winter Soldier crossover. So I really don't get why cops aren't hunting these people down, too. Well, I guess Glenn Talbot starts fighting against them sort of really in a hate, uh, friend love-hate relationship. Like, you do some good stuff for me, but you're also 100% illegal. So ugh, every vigilante ever, I guess. Let's move on to the next section. Fun facts. Tom. All right. Fun facts. And this is the reason I was quiet earlier is because I was still looking these up. Because like this show, these fun facts are very mediocre and fun. So I'm doing the best of what I got. Just like the show. Um, just like <laughs> the show. Okay. First off, uh, wait, you guys mentioned when Colson gets his hand cut off in the finale. Um, that just plays into the whole Marvel Phase 2 where every single Marvel property in Phase 2, considered in Phase 2, so you got Iron Man 3, Avengers 2, Thor 2, Winter Soldier, Ant-Man, all those, somebody gets their arm cut off. And it's a reference to Empire Strikes Back. Um, oh, are we going to walk through that. this? What Do you want me to? Cause, we well, okay. All right, so... I Iron Man 3, we had that uh, Man-Thing's wife, right? Oh, Aldrich also got his hand cut off. You're right. Lots of people right. doing that movie. That movie is a very limb-choppy movie. Yeah, yeah. I, distinctly. I think Savin gets his hand chopped off. I, I just remember Aldrich getting his hand cut off. I think Pepper cuts it off when she's in the Iron mm -hmm. Man suit. And then um, Thor... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thor Dark World. Yeah, so yeah, Thor oh, Dark World. Thor. And I, th I think Thor, or Thor gets his arm cut off, but it's like a, a vi like Loki's messing with him. It's like a, uh, like a oh, yeah. illusion or something like that. Uh, it is. Was after it was their big trailer pull of just like, yeah. whoosh, whoosh, he cut his arm off, go see the movie, gotcha. The rest of the movie shit, but at least he gets his arm cut off. <laughs> yep, Thor. <laughs> Thor, Dark uh, World. What's after that? Um, Captain America, um, Bucky. He he has his whole left arm. Um, well, it's, I don't know if you actually see it get chopped off, but 
it, well, yeah, in the beginning, that's often it shows him attaching it when the, when he's doing his uh when it shows him how he's being brainwashed. Guardians, the um, uh, Gamora, not Gamora. Uh, what's her name? Nebula. One of the Nebula girls. Yeah, I think she get her. She, it's Nebula. She gets her hand chopped off. Um. Oh, she chops her own and, arm off. And then Ant Man, Yellow Jacket, in the fight at the end, he gets. It's very quick, but he does get his left arm, um, left arm cut off, in one of the explosions. Hmm. And then. Oh, I guess. Uh, Avengers yeah. two. Yeah. That's that's Claw. <laughs> Getting yeah. his claw cut off. And then they keep up that oh, tradition boy. in Silver War too, but I won't spoil it for you who, oh. all who haven't seen it. More fun things. Hit us. Okay, a great so, movie. Yeah, it is very good. Um, Adrian Palicki, uh, she also played Wonder Woman in a in a TV pilot in 2011 that obviously was so bad it did not get picked up. Um, you can watch it. On I YouTube, watched about. It, yeah. It's pretty terrible. Oof, wasn't fun. Yeah, some, some the the pilot had like a kid bleeding out of his eyes, and that was a mystery she had to solve, which kind of sounds badass, but it was overall kind of lame. Was not executed well. Um, okay, so apparently there's a long filming schedule for this show. The show starts begin. Uh, it begins filming in June, and it continues all the way until uh, the second week of May. Of the next year, so it's a very long shooting schedule. It, that's eleven um, months. Yeah, like that's not so cool. They must, they must edit it real quick because you know they go until the end of May, so they must have like well, two weeks to finish an episode from cutting room floor to airing it. They they might um, be a full year ahead. Oh, that could be too. That I didn't think of that. And the last mediocre fact I have is the uh, for the entire first week of shooting, uh, the girl who plays um, Simmons, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Simmons is the girl. Yes, right? Simmons. <laughs> yes, Elizabeth Simmons. Henstridge. Yes, Henstridge. Uh, she kept she thought Clark Gregg's name was Greg, so for the first week of shooting, she kept calling him Greg, thinking his name was Greg and not Clark, and he didn't even have or he didn't have the. Uh, you know, he didn't want to tell her because he didn't want to make her feel awkward. <laughs> but she ended up finding out. Well, that's yeah, that's what you get for having two first names: Grant Austin, yeah, uh, uh, a Shamo song. Uh, wait, mm, no, hold on. Uh, uh, okay, I'm done. But <laughs> so yeah, sorry, I don't have that many facts. But truly, there there's not money out there. I mean, the the. So just to just to give you some background, some of the facts I looked up, some were uh, two two cast members shared the same birthday. Um, yeah, Adrian well, Palicki yeah. and Kyle McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> Chloe Bennett's character in the show was born in 1988, but she was really born in 1992. <gasps> so I had very scandalous. That doesn't happen very often. Usually they go in the reverse. They'll have someone who is older play a younger role, because it's easier for makeup to do that. Four years, though. I mean, and also in the your twenties, it's it's like how old do you think? 
uh, I can't do this anymore. We should have guessed. Like, how old do you think Chloe Bennett is? And how old do you think her character is? And what would you probably would have said that Chloe Bennett's like 32, right? And that her character's I 24. Said, I would have said, I don't care because <laughs> who cares about Chloe Bennett's character? <laughs> All right. Just me. Was that Fair in enough. the first? Was it in the first season, Mike, when we were watching it, and every time her name would come up during the opening credits, we'd be like, ah, oh, damn it, Chloe Bennett's in this episode. <laughs> you obviously did not listen to the last podcast episode where I told that story. <laughs> so thanks for bringing listened, it up I again, David. <laughs> no, you weren't. Oh, yeah, you're right. Agent, I, wasn't. Agent... <laughs> I tried, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of running in jokes for this uh, show all the time. We still do. Um, we try and memorize everything BJ Britt ever said. Everything he said, that man was gold. And then when he's just doing like a slight jog to get all of those little idols out of the way so that the place doesn't collapse, it's like, you can do better, BJ. I believe in you. <laughs> and then he fucking dies. Because he's a recyclable black character. Really not cool. All right. First of all, they replace him with Lincoln, the electric zappy doctor. Let's move on to when you're going to need a doctor. Because drinking game rules. All right. Let's, let's stick to the number one basic. They got a little bit better, but they're also quite horrible in this season with... Dun, da, da, da. Name drops. Um, I added one called Drink Every Time Fit Stutters because it drove <laughs> me nuts. <laughs> I, 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 so, yeah, Drink Every Time Fit Stutters. And have Were fun, you about and to do fun. a mocking impersonation? <laughs> I was. I, all I kept thinking about was that, that mashup of Shia LaBeouf from Transformers where somebody cut it to every time he said no and wait. So it's no, 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 wait, 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 no, 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 wait, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> And I just think of fits like that. Who's next? Okay, you can drink it since Cleffy's not going to talk. Uh, every time BJ Britt does something black and you love him for it. Drink every time Mac is just the nicest guy ever. He really he really is, isn't he? He's, isn't he, he's the only character that understands Fitz. Because as soon as Fitz goes through something tragic, his lifelong best friend ditches him and goes on a field mission for the first time, which she hates doing. <laughs> she would rather go on a field mission undercover than help her best friend. Doesn't Fitz think he's talking to her throughout the first season, but he's really not? Like, um, am I imagining that? Or something like that, where he thinks he's talking to somebody, but you end up finding out the big revelation that he's been talking to himself. It was her. Yeah, it was her the whole time because his stutter would go away when he was talking to her and you thought that they just had this like deep connection but then at the end you realized that that was all in his head and she was like his conscience. That pisses me off even more. I hate this show even more. God. Well, she wasn't dead or anything. She was just undercover for like the first six episodes and then she came back in real and she had shorter hair now <laughs> which symbolizes change. I'm, my, this is not good for my blood pressure. <laughs> All right. Finally, take a shot for every time you got back together with an ex 
after Hunter and Bobby do it. Hunter and Bobby do it? Yeah, after they do it. After they... Because they've been at each other's throats all of season two, and you're like, oh, shut up. You two are going to get back together. And then they bang in the back of a car or something, or Max Mac. I don't know. Uh, and you just, for every time that you have done that with an ex, you just got to go, fuck, all right, one for each. You're like, ugh, Michelle, <sighs> Sasha. Wake up on the floor <sighs> the next morning. Yes, always, <laughs> always drink responsibly. And a pile of your own regret. <laughs> it's gonna be a sad drunk this uh, season, unless you get a buddy uh, and you can have some fun with this show, because there's a lot of fun to be had. You can be tremendously disappointed with how Mr. Hyde looks, just kind of like a uh, blown-up lumpy marshmallow instead of this terrifying man creature you expected him to be. A lot of things. Yeah, and when uh, have the budget to do that well. <laughs> Feel as if they could have tried a little harder. Anyone got any more fun stuff they want to say? I feel like they didn't have the budget to do uh, hide well because they spent all their budget on filming for eleven and a half months a year. <laughs> Good point. It's a lot of locales. Also, like the like the bus, right? Every time they show that plane, that's not a real plane. We know that's fake. That costs money every time you got to show it. And it looks kind of cheesy. And also you just see it to do some fucking... <laughs> like you said, Maybe, oh, did we ever think that as soon as Fitz jumped out of the plane in season one, that May just put it into hover mode, just hit the brakes, like no problem, because this plane defies every law of physics known to man? That could be, except it was Simmons that jumped out of the plane, not Fitz. You do it, too. (laughs) They are interchangeable characters until one of them gets stuttery and and, and actually goes through some development, and the other uh, treats that (laughs) development – reflects on that development by being an asshole to that person or just not there. All right? Why you got to leave in their time of need? Literally, he was – See, we, we, we saw how he was fine when she was right there, and then she leaves. In real, it's confusing to talk about because there's fictional fit or uh, Simmons and there's real Simmons. Uh, season two was fun, all right? It was a fun season. There was regretfully no Bill Paxton. They did a couple of regretful things like kill off BJ Britt, but we got Hunter, we got Bobby, we got Mac, and we got some crazy-ass stuff like Gordon. And the Inhumans in general. And they confirmed that sh- that uh, uh, Chloe Bennett was Quake. Because everyone was, wasn't was sure if she's going to be Quake or not. But I think they said in season two she was officially Quake. Right? Because she got her powers. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, and the fact that she's Mr. Hyde's daughter. Yeah, Calvin. Daisy Johnson. Mm-hmm. Daisy. Yeah, because oh, like then, I said earlier... What makes me even more mad, doesn't at the end she go to a vet and he had his mind wiped? Like he doesn't remember anything and he has his own vet clinic or something? Doesn't the dad do that? Uh, oh, maybe. Yeah, that ha- Oh, that's right. God, they mind so the dumb. Vet. So mediocre. <laughs> because otherwise he was going to die because he's too dangerous. Oh, he's going to die or he'll wipe his brain and he forgets everything. <laughs> Uh, you know, there's things to love, there's things to hate. 
I think. Here's logic. But I think... And this is me. <laughs> uh, but I think that's going to wrap it up today. Super fans. Super Movie Studies is recorded and produced by Productions. If you like what you hear, hit up that iTunes, homie. Show us your support. I'm about to do some website stuff. Speaking of the website, you guys can all hop over to tryopcop.com where the fun lives. And you can check out all of our old episodes, dabble through our scholarly works page, and even revisit the drinking game rules. Please drink responsibly. Super Movies Studies Podcast also keeps up an active Twitter feed at Super M Studies. So follow us and send us your questions, comments, and suggestions, and we'll use them on the air. Damn Skippy. We have a few people who've already started commenting on the website, on old episodes, showing us cool pictures of of, of handcrafted Deadpool dolls, and you're just like, yay, fun stuff. Love it. Love it. I just want more of it, really. I do. Love it. Um, we want to do a lot of more things. I want to. I want to get a lot of scholarly works. You know, basically any sort of essay you've done, pop culture analysis, stuff like that. It reflects on pro media, any way, shape, or form. Love to hear about it. Would love to read it, reflect upon it, and because that's literally my favorite type of literature. Favorite war, politics, and superheroes. All right, thank you for all the weird noise you're making. Are you sharpening a pencil? Is that what's happening? Keep making dumb faces. Okay, David, we're done here. Uh, that'll do it today. I'm your host, Michael Mauer. David Cleppy. And Twitter Tom. Have a super fucking week, I guess. Have a super week! Except you, David, because you're the worst. That's the song. Could never touch their promise, never meant so much to me. You have been warned.